You know, Tammy and I, we got to go on a trip to celebrate our 35 years of anniversary, our 35th anniversary. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Tammy and I, okay? Tammy is the official navigator in our, in our world. When we get in a car, she navigates, I drive. I get a little snippy when she does not give me adequate. Now, this is before cell phones and GPS and all that other stuff. And so, for 35 years, and the only time we have really fought is when she's navigating and I'm driving. One time, we were on our way to Indiana, and we had gotten uh, in uh, this navigator fight right around St. Louis, and we got so angry with one another, we didn't talk to each other for three hours. Now, that's, un- that's not like Tammy and I. Now, we're not like that. The reason we started to talk to each other is because we rolled into... Springfield, Illinois, the home or birthplace of Abraham Lincoln. We had gone north for three hours when we should have been going east into Indiana for three hours. Yeah, um, you know, you need a navigator. You need a good navigator, and she's getting better. I'm getting better. But that's when we fight, when we're driving. I don't know why. But Paul today is going to tell us about navigating. In fact, if you have your sermon uh, uh, outlined with you, you'll notice that the title is A Road Map to Joy. It's a road map to joy because Jesus tells us these words, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Weird as it sounds, the narrow path is also the path of joy, of finding Christ and knowing Christ. And Paul is going to tell us how to navigate this narrow path which is really this roadmap to joy. So I, in, in this series, I mean, in, the, in today's message, I want to just get you to, to visualize this or, or put your head, wrap it around it, and, and that's this. Pretend you're in this car or you're walking a path and it's the narrow path and you need some help navigating it so you don't go off. So I want you to turn to Philippians. We're going to pick it up at verse 12. And we're going to take it in seven bite-sized pieces. And it's all around this context of navigating. Well, let me read you the verse 12. It says, not that, no, well, let me, let me back up to verse 10. We, two weeks ago, this is where we were at. Remember verse 10? Paul says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him in any and all possible ways. And then he says, so that I may attend. Remember that re- the word resurrection? It was a unique word. Only, where, only time in the Bible that it's mentioned this way. The ek, out or from resurrection. That we may rise above what we live here on earth. That we might rise, not about You know, when Jesus comes and takes us home, it's talking about right now, rising above the flesh and living in the spiritual plane, living in the spiritual realm. And then he goes on and it says, 
Now, I want you to know, verse 12, that not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brittany can attest to this when anytime we took a road trip and the kids asked, how long is it to our destination? What did we say? Eight hours. If it was 10 minutes away, it was still eight hours. If it was 100 hours away, it was still we got bothered. How long is it going to take? We, so our answer was always eight hours. Pretty soon they understood and they stopped asking questions, right? So here's the very first fill in the blank on verse 12. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer? And he says, I, not that I've already obtained it, received it, I want you to be really clear on this. I, I want to be really clear on this. I want you to be clear on it. He is not talking about salvation. He is talking about your relationship with Christ. He is talking about are you close with Jesus? Are you this far apart and you're moving towards closeness? You're moving towards intimacy? And he is talking about that, not salvation. He's talking about I haven't obtained this perfect relationship with Jesus. And he's going to go on to explain that. Because in 1 John 5, it's, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a salvation issue. Salvation is a statement of fact. Like marriage is a statement of fact. Lawrence and Eloise are married. You are married, right? yeah Tammy and I are we married yeah Charles and Stella are we married yeah see it's a statement of fact you're married you're married you're married you're married salvation is a statement of fact Jesus paid for it it's done it's finished the work is done it's completed but in marriage you still pursue closeness you still pursue intimacy you still pursue love those are those goals same thing in salvation Salvation is a statement of fact, but we still pursue that personal relationship, the presence of Christ, the aroma, the, the, the coming of, of Him, of, uh, of us together, walking in the garden, of coming together. And he says this, he says, but I press on to make it my own. I press on because it's personal. I want to make it my own. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Tammy, can I use you for example? Come up. I want you to give me a hug. Now, do you see my response? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do it again. <laughs> Okay, now what happens when you hug me or now I hug you? What's now happening? It's reciprocated. This is called an embrace, right? It's called an embrace. Paul says this, catch this. Jesus, you're going to be Jesus. Jesus, come hug me. Paul says, 
Jesus is perfectly hugging me. He knows me fully, He's, and I'm learning to hug because I'm not a touchy-feely person. So I'm learning to hug, and this is like pushing me out of my comfort zone. But, but do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me on that? Thank you. You did a great job. And that is, Paul is saying, Jesus knows me. I am doing everything in my strength to know him. Are you with me? To know him. Paul wants to hug Christ because Christ is hugging him. Remember in 1 Corinthians where it says, uh, we see face to face now dimly in a mirror, and the mirrors back then weren't like our mirrors. It was just a shiny piece of metal. He says, but, but one day I will fully know Jesus as Jesus already now knows me fully. Does Jesus know every wart that you have? Does he know every hair you have? Does he know every problem that you have? Does he know every tear that you've cried? Does he know you inside, outside, forwards, backwards? Yes. Can you say the same, that you know Jesus that much? That's what Paul's point is. Ah, not that I have already attained it or already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Man, are we there yet? No. We're not there yet, are we? We're still growing and still growing and growing. Now let's go on to verse 13. Brothers, and that's kind of a said in a tenderly way. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I'm still reaching, I'm still growing, I'm still striving. So here's, here's the fill in the blank. It's kind of about the past. Forget the past mileage. Don't focus on the past, good or bad. Focus on the road, to, focus on the gospel. See, God created the world, he created mankind. God is righteous, he's good, he's trustworthy, he's just. Man chose to rebel, to disobey, to sin. Sin has a penalty. Sin will, the penalty must be paid. Death and all of sin. Jesus took on flesh. He died in our place, the payment of sin. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected. You get to choose the way, the road of Christ, or you can choose to reject Christ. But the one thing that Paul says is, I, he says, I used to chase after self-righteousness. I used to chase after works righteousness. But I've put that all in the past. In fact, everything's in the past. Forget about the, the, the road, your past sin, your former way of life. It shouldn't be an anchor that holds you back from becoming the new creation that you are. Did you catch that? It should not hold you back from becoming the new creation that God has declared you to be. But if you're living in the past, if, you, if you're still tied to the past, if you're still focused on the past, how can you be the new creation? I've been in, uh, in, in Northern California when we had a ministry there. We, we were involved in the drug culture. You know, we, we did recovery groups. And so it's, it's, I understand it. And there were some recovery groups that all the, the addicts, uh, those that wanted to come to a meeting, all they wanted to do was talk about the past. 
And the first thing that we outlined was when you come to this meeting, you can't talk about the past because the past doesn't matter. It's the future that matters. Do you know Christ? And is Christ making you a new creation? Because you can get stuck in the past. You can get stuck in unforgiveness. You can get stuck in hurt. You can get stuck in wounds. You can get stuck, and, and your mind just always goes back there. It always goes to the past. goes to the past. He says, forget. Look what the words say. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. This is the one, this is part of the roadmap. I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward. You also have to forget the past accomplishments. Spiritual or physical. You don't point with your finger and say, look what I used to do. Look what I did. Look at this trophy over here. Do you know I used to do this and I used to do that? I used to work at a soup kitchen. I used to preach to hundreds. I used to, to witness to thousands on the street. I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to. Let, stop living in the past. What good is that going to do you? celebrate them but don't stop the journey we celebrated 35 years of marriage right but we can't then say you know what we're just gonna stop our marriage and just keep reflecting about how you used to be nice to me or how i used to be nice to you right that's not gonna work that's not gonna fly see the past is like a shadow and the closer you get to jesus the brighter his light and the less of the shadows there are. Did you catch that? That the closer you draw to Christ, the more your past doesn't even matter, does it? Because you're trying to live today, right now, in the presence, striving in this relationship with him. Now, forgetting the past doesn't mean not to deal with issues. He's not talking about denial. He's not saying, deny the past. He said, forget about the past. Forget about the sins that used to weigh you down. Forget about your failures. Forget about the dysfunction you used to be in after you've dealt with them. Debts need to be paid. Confessions need to be made. Reconciliations need to be attempted. Forgiveness sought and granted. Lessons should be learned. Changes should be made. But having dealt with the past, we're not supposed to focus on the past. You, may wa- you m- might want to write this down. I, I, this, is, this is what I want to share with you. It's easy to live in the past because it requires nothing of you today. Did you catch that? You can live in the past all you want because it never asked you for anything. It doesn't doesn't ask you for anything so these three aspects actually past present and future past we're saved from sin present we're being saved now by the power of sin over us we have a way of excuse uh, a way of escape and the future someday will be completely saved from the effects of sin even its very presence is not going to be in heaven there's no tears There's laughter, there's joy, but there's no sorrow, there's no sin, there's no drugs. So let's go on. 
So brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, that's that past, and straining forward to what lies ahead. So here's the next fill in the blank. You press on towards the future. That's the road map. Forget the past. Forget what you've done in the past. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Straining toward what is ahead. Reaching forward. It's a really interesting verb in the original language. It means that you are stretching every ligament, every muscle, every fiber, every proton, neutron, whatever. You are moving with all your will and energy towards this goal. That's, what he's, that's how powerful that language is. The Christian life is not static you, you can't coast uphill. Surprise! You can't coast uh, uphill. It's dynamic. So here's the, the takeaway from this little point. We're not ever to stop growing in our relationship with Jesus, our intimacy with Him. Never are we to stop growing. There are things in our life that try to get us sidetracked off of this road. I'm going to use a word that has been um, misused in the past as a derogatory word, and I understand it, but I'm still going to risk using it because I like the word. It's the word retard. Retard means this to delay or hold back in terms of progress, of forward movement or development, or accomplishment. So for all of you that have engines, you know that you can advance the timing of an engine, or you can what? You retard it. It means you, you delay it. You slow it down. Or the growth of a plant, if you put it in the shade and it needs lots of sun, what are you doing? You are retarding it from movement, from progressing forward to its natural end. Or you can retard cavities by what? Brushing your teeth. Now why do I say all that? Because Paul is saying that there are things in our life that try to stranglehold us from preventing us to get closer to Christ. There may be issues in your life. There may be thoughts in your life. There may be a habitual sin in your life. There is something that could be retarding, stopping the progression of development. Because the older you are and the longer you've walked with Christ, the more you should be like Christ. Are you with me? Can I brag just a second? Give me permission. Thank you. I am so proud of Charles and Stella. I am so proud. In his 90s, where do you find him every Sunday if he's able? Even with his back hurting, his blindness suffer, his body aching, where do you find Charles? You find him worshiping the Creator God. So you don't stop growing, do you, Charles? You just keep pressing on. You keep going on. You never plateau. You never said, I'm satisfied with a little bit of Jesus. No, you say, I want more of him because the more I taste of him, the more I want him. And he is our addiction. Are you that? He's our addiction. He should be our addiction. But there are other things that compete for our addiction. 
So let's go back to the text. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything or if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Here's the fill in the blank. It's a long one, but here it is. Don't worry where you are at in the journey. Stay on the road and look for the signs. God loves you more than you can imagine, and He is going to make sure He grows you up. Sometimes it's through trials, but He loves us enough. And He's telling us that we're all at different areas of growth and maturity. The more you grow in intimacy with someone, the more you get to know them. And the things that you had wrong about them suddenly get corrected automatically. And we should take a view of such things. We're on a journey, and our goal is to know, to know Christ fully. None of us have arrived. Others are ahead of us. On your journey, you may be further ahead of me, and some of you might be a little behind me. Or the other way around. If the thing is, is we're all on the path, the narrow path, navigating this. And he says, hey, in time, God will grow you up. But what we have to do, forget the past and strive on towards the future. And if we're wrong about something in our pursuit with Jesus, he's going to correct it. How many of you, when you were 20, your head was full of mush? Raise Everybody raised their hand. Now that you're a little older and wiser, is, do you still think you know as much as you think you know or knew? Now, the older you get, the more you realize you didn't know anything, did you? At least it is with me. Why are you laughing at me? Oh, because never mind. <laughs> so what are the signs on the road that help us? The Word. Got to be in the Word. You've got to be in the Word. You're going to grow in intimacy with Jesus. You've got to be in the Word. It does not come any other way. You cannot spiritually feed your soul unless you're in the Word of God. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, fellowship, our yieldedness to Him. We all come together for Him to show us the path, the road. See, the immature way is to think that you've made it to spiritual perfection somehow. And the mature way is to realize, no, I, I need to grow. I need to grow. Let's go back to the text. Hold on to what is true, to what we've attained, but he's going to continue to increase your knowledge of the Word and truth and then he says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Here's the fill in the blank. Stay on course. Follow the map. I think we live in an age where we think it's okay to backslide. We have so over... I, I know, I, I, please hear my heart on this. 
We've overemphasized grace to the point that we live any way we want to. And that's not biblical, and that's not healthy, and that's not right. And we have to stay on the course. We can't just be okay with backsliding. Personally, not be judging anybody else, but personally. Don't go backwards on your journey. Don't be ashamed of following Christ, even though the, the, the politically incorrect culture is starting to turn the screws on you a little bit. Because you don't celebrate the things of the flesh that the world has now lifted up as a banner. You, you, you just keep this, you, you stay on course, follow the map. It's been a blessing to, to go to Tammy's house and, and, and roof. It, it has. But I'm a gopher. I don't know how to do anything. And there's a guy like Mike on the, in the back who knows how to do this stuff. Wouldn't it be awfully presumptuous and have a lot of hubris, if I'm using that word right, to think that I know as much as Mike No, I need to find someone who has blazed the trail before me. That's what Paul is saying. Look again, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. Someone was trying to teach me to pour cement or do electrical work. I would say to them, I would want them to say to me, this is how you do it. But could you imagine if they corrected me and then I turned to them and say, how intolerant, Mike. You're telling me that I can't nail the, the shingle anywhere I want to? No, nail it where it says to nail. And he comes along and corrects me and I take offense at that. Well, that's what's happening in our world today. By the way you live your life, you're going to offend the flesh. People are going to be upset at you. But he says, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Stay the course. Follow the map. Imitate. Now, he says this a lot. Paul says this a lot. Imitate me. But he's always a qualifier, as I follow Christ. So that means we we need mentors, don't we? We need a band of brothers. We need... And I guess a band of women. I don't know what the the euphemism is for that. But basically, what's that? You need a sisterhood so that you can stay on the trail. And it's easier to keep on track if others are blazing that trail in front of you. Let's go back to the text, 18 and 19. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walking walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Don't get sidetracked as a fill-in-the-blank. There's two extremes of the enemies of the cross. Those that are self-righteous, that, that was the Judaizers in Paul's day, the ones that said, oh, you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this, and then you'll be close to Jesus. If you're a rule follower, or the other is, I'm just going to live any way I want to, and it doesn't matter because, well, God's going to forgive me. 
I've said many times that the Christian life isn't about rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But that doesn't mean I can live any way I want to. In my marriage with Tammy, I can't live any way I want to because I have a relationship with her. I move my behavior in a way that is loving and kind and righteous. That's what's supposed to happen. There are so many people out there that they want to do religion in their own way. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I, uh, I don't have to go to church. I know you don't have to go to church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to go to church, except for in Hebrews it says, do not forsake the gathering of the body. It does say that, but uh, you don't also have to brush your teeth at night. Try that. Just don't have any dental hygiene for a month. See how that works out for you. Nowhere does it say you have to brush your teeth, that you have to eat healthy that you have to exercise. Nobody is doing that. That's where you come involved. Do you want a relationship with Christ? And you better pursue it. You've got to get on the road. You've got to press in. You've got you to dig in. You've got to dig in. You know, if you seek out intimacy with Jesus, two things happen. Two things happen. You have this incredible intimacy with Jesus, and you sin less. Did you know that? That when you pursue a relationship with Jesus, that's your focus, that's your goal. You're just trying to hug him as he hugs you. You're trying to hug him. You're addicted to him, and you want more of him, and you want more of his presence. Automatically, you start sinning less. But if all you seek out is moral behavior to sin less, that's all you get. Let me say it this way. Sinning less doesn't pursue, does not produce a hunger for God. Sinning less does not produce a hunger for God. But hungering for God produces less sin. Did you catch that? Sinning less doesn't produce a hunger for God, but hungering for God produces less sin in your life. So don't get sidetracked. That's what he's saying. He said there are some people that have gotten sidetracked. They're living by their flesh now, and they've wandered off the, the, the path. Let's finish up. Verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. That's pretty exciting. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And when a journey takes 60 or 70 or 80 years, or in Charles' account, 90 years, we can grow forgetful of where we're trying to reach. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, you're so busy doing what? Raising a family, trying to make a living, all those other peripheral things. But that's your focus. And you can forget where you're going. Your focus isn't just to raise a family. It isn't just to have a marriage. It has a destination, and that destination is heaven. And that's where you need to be focused. 
We have to remind each other that we're on a journey to know Jesus. It's not over until we pass, and we press on no matter what stage of life. Let me sum up. The roadmap to joy. Because joy comes from your relationship with Jesus and nothing else. Are we there yet? Nope. We're all on a journey. We all got our backpacks on. We're all heading out. We need to forget the past. No resting on our laurels. Relationship. Are lived in the present, not the past. In, in my years and working in the church and all that other stuff, do you know how many people that I have talked to that were 50 years old, 60 year olds, 70 year olds, and you'd ask them, would you go work in the nursery? Would you be a greeter? Would you fill communion? Would you put up a sign? Would you travel and, and bring some the sound equipment to, to the building? You ask people to serve, and you know what they say? Hand on hip. I've done my time. And your heart just sinks. Because you know they're not doing it for the right reason. You know they're not doing it not for the right reason. To them, it isn't about a relationship with Jesus. You, You just keep pressing on. You pursue the intimacy with Jesus. And you don't worry about where you're at in the journey. You keep moving forward through those, the Word, prayer, you know, the Holy Spirit, fellowship. You stay on the road. You look for those signs. Stay on course. You follow the map. Don't get sidetracked. And remember the destination. We're going to heaven, folks. uh, The anniversary was nice. Nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like. Nothing compared. Now, I want to close with this one single thought, and here it is. God can make a great finish from a slow start. Isn't that nice? God can cause a great finish even if you started late in the race. Whether it's a guy that spent 30 years in prison or whether it's a niece who had a troubled soul was always looking so much pain so much pain but God can do miracles but you gotta walk the path you gotta walk the path let me pray Father I thank you for today and I know we went really fast and I know there are more nuggets in there there are more gems hidden in this text Father you tell us not to be satisfied with a teaspoon of you, but to learn how to fully embrace you as you fully embrace us. I thank you for encouraging words to us. He didn't browbeat them. He didn't say they weren't doing it right. He didn't say you're messing up. He just encouraged them. Keep on. Keep on. Find those mentors. Find that sisterhood. Find that band of brothers. Find that the Word. Find the Holy Spirit. Find and seek, and you will be given it. What a joy. What a blessing that our life becomes richer and more fuller as we walk this narrow path. 
it becomes lighter because you have promised that to us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these encouraging words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.